record on this computer. So yeah, tell me, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, meaning very broadly speaking, uh, Stoicism as, as a broad concept, as a school of thought, as a school of philosophy, uh, I'll, I'll start and I'll, like, I'll explain what I'm going to be doing today. And I have a few things here uh, ready to share with you in addition to Marcus Aurelius. So uh, yeah, I just want to, to see impressions, as I said, because it's important for me to also know where you guys stand at, because this is uh, so that I would steer the discussion in a way that goes in the opposite direction as per usual. Uh, so tell me. So maybe I'll start since since uh, you called me out. Um, this is this is meant to be this is meant to be a rough initial first impression. Doesn't mean I'm right, but my rough first initial knee jerk impression is to say, this is good. So what is stoicism? I don't know, but I do like something that Marcus does. Things like he seems to be for minimalism. What today we would call minimalism, even though he's an emperor, he doesn't seem to care too much about earthly possessions. So that's great. Good diet. Um, and he sees the good in everybody, especially his friends, his teachers. He doesn't like going to public schools and things like that, which I found interesting. That was hilarious. Um, it's amazing to me that he can write page after page after page about the stoic virtues of all of his great teachers and friends. I'm like, wow, you're a positive guy. And also seems to be very grateful by what, you know, that whole mindfulness, gratefulness crap we have today. He seems to be like that, but not not too much, but like, I had a good life. This was great. Like, I can't ask for more than this. Despite being an emperor, that's amazing. Anyway, I'll I'll stop rambling now. Uh, this is this is uh, yeah. Uh, this is a at least a good summary, one way or the other, of uh, of his uh, a few parts of his meditation. I don't know if anyone has anything to add to this. Yeah. So I, uh, I yeah. Steve, Steve here. So. Uh, um, First of all, uh, I miss Jerry Lynn's Christmas tree. She took it down from last time. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, it lasted a long time. I, I like that. Uh, so I, I think I, I found interesting is I've, um, I've read the meditations before <clears throat> and I, I sort of revisit them from time to time. I've also read Seneca and in Seneca, and I, and I don't, I'm not want to name drop. It doesn't matter if you haven't read Seneca, but if you do read Seneca, uh, he often is talking about the Epicureans um, in various letters, and it often seems complimentary. You know, he he sort of says, I hate these guys, and then he says, but they have this right. So this was my first time reading about the Epicureans, and I know you invited us just for general impressions, and, and we were going to start with uh, uh, the Stoics, and, and I'm extremely interested in the Stoics, but I found it interesting that that these two Epicureans and Stoics so often travel together. Um, and I don't, I, I'm not sure that I, I, I see a little more now why that is, but it surprised me how much um, Seneca sort of always says he hates them and is also always agreeing with them. And, and I guess it's something in this, um, you know, this avoidance of, uh, or, or how does he put it? It's something in, in this, um, you know, the fact that pleasure is the, uh, you know, that the Epicureans say, let's see what it says, removal of everything that can give pain is sort of the ultimate goal of the Epicureans. And uh, 
you know, there's something of that. They do it differently, but there's something of that in the Stoics. And, you know, Marcus Aurelius, uh, you know, touches on it over and over and over again. Um, but uh, something Trishank said also I found interesting, which was he sort of, you know, threw in Marcus Aurelius with mindfulness. And uh, this quote from Marcus Aurelius is also in the meditations. And you could read, if I read you this quote, you would say, you know, what pop Buddhist person told you this? And it says, the things you think about determine the quality of your mind. Your soul takes on the color of your thoughts. So this, this is Marcus Aurelius. And this sounds like pop Buddhism to me, um, which I find fascinating because I'm taken both with Buddhism and Stoicism. So those are some of my impressions. Uh, I'm rereading and reading these. Uh, this is very interesting indeed as well, uh, and interesting observations because I could have I could have started with uh, the Epicureans first or the uh, Stoics, uh, chronologically speaking, both the founder of Stoicism and the founder of Epicureanism, uh, Zeno, Ascetium, and Epicurus uh, were contemporaries. So. Uh, yeah, we can. Um, I, I decided to start with uh, Stoicism first because, uh, well, it's just uh, I chose at random, to be honest. So it's it's curious uh, because we're going to be discussing pleasures as well uh, next time and what the Epicureans meant by that. And then the discussion between the two. I have a few things also to say with regards to uh Marcus Aurelius and uh, Seneca and all these Stoic philosophers who were in constant dialogue with other schools of thought, unlike uh, maybe uh, modern day uh, way of things whereby everyone is just trying to antagonize the others, even though they say we hate this and we hate that and we don't like this and we don't like that, there's, there's always this uh, dialogue. So yeah, this is... Um, Pleasure and pain, we'll, we'll talk about all these and the uh, pop Buddhism is, is also interesting because um, we, we usually, I don't know what we assume when we think about uh, the ancient Greeks or ancient philosophy in general, right? Because we, for some reason, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and mind you, they, they weren't, this is, this is, let me, let me start with this. It's, uh, uh, and, and we'll take Epicureans and the Stoics and we, we'll discuss them next time uh, in, in more detail. But the idea is, is that first for ancient Greeks, uh, arguing about philosophy, as, as you might have seen with, with Socrates and I, as I mentioned in, uh, in several articles uh, that I wrote, maybe uh, including the ones I shared with you, um, this argumentation, this form of argumentation is, is not um, meant as a debate to prove that one person is right and the other is wrong. Uh, this did happen, uh, this method whereby they would argue to prove who's right or to convince the others that they were right uh, was the method that was applied by the uh, sophists. We discussed the sophists briefly the other day the sophists were not really interested in, in, this, in, in, in uncovering truth. They were more interested in trying to convince you that this is uh, right. But the 
the kind of dialogue that people like Socrates and others adopted was more what we call dialectic. Dialectic meaning establishing a dialogue. Like, uh, so if, if you're writing a book or if you're discussing something with someone, you're not, you're not interested in, in uh, debunking or arguing against the other as much as you're interested in trying to genuinely understand how you can improve uh, the other person's argument or how you can improve your view about things. And this is, this is very important here because uh, when, when people like uh, Aurelius or anyone, any ancient uh, philosopher uh, who's, who's mentioning this uh, school of thought and that school of thought, be it uh, Aristotle or, or Epicureans or, or the Stoics or any other school of thought, even the cynics, they're, they're more interested, even if they make fun of things that other uh, philosophers wrote, deep down, they are making fun, not because they're trying to prove them only wrong, they're just trying to uh, find out, uh, not a new truth, but in improving their arguments. Uh, so this is, this is very important. They, they try to build bridges more than they try to uh, just criticize for the sake of criticism. Uh, this is one. Two, I don't know if anyone has any other thing to say besides this. I, I do. Um, yes. When we said philosophy is useless, yep. uh, you know, uh, this school of thought seems the opposite. It seems that you can use uh, what you learn from stoicism in everyday life, at least in, in the way you think. Um, so I just thought that it's interesting that we started this class with philosophy is useless, but you know, a lot of what you can take from the meditations are things you can do every day, which are very useful. You think are useful? So I, the other day I was explaining, uh, in the other class, uh, on, on Plato and, uh, Nietzsche and, uh, Bergson, I was explaining uh, the symposium and we we're discussing the symposium, etc. And I'm like, fuck, man. It's like, how, how is this help? Like, seriously, I, every time I finish class, I'm like, why the hell are these people interested in, in whatever it is that this, that not necessarily myself as a course, right? It's, it's not the course itself. It's, it's the activity, right? It's like, how how can this be useful not in the practic not in the uh, empirical kind of uh, sense of the word whereby you have palpable uh, results tangible results it's in in the broader sense as you're just saying how can like why do we have to read the stoics for us to be able to know how to or to know how to live a good life and this is the other thing that i wanted to, to mention it's like Seriously, what, what the, the fuck? Yeah, tell me. It's the same reason why religion exists. Uh, let's not get started even with that because it's like, it's, it's even worse. Right. I'd, I'd rather <laughs> ancient there's, philosophy. There's a lot of people who don't want to, can or, or do take the effort to create their own, their own reality of what they, what they think. And then, then maybe philosophy is just the the act of not only meta learning, but the meta or meta level of meta learning. So that's for what is useful. It allows you to give a framework thinking about 
not only meta learning but meta meta learning and it it's like even one level higher and um you like you can ask this foundational question of like why do, do i need somebody to tell me how to go to, to live a good life it's like that's a lot of what a lot of religions also promise like live a good life literally and i think it's because maybe a lot of people are not having that much imagination or the arrogance or egoism to just be like well i'm just going to do whatever the hell i want so yes and and this is exactly where uh, things become more interesting because in the entire symposium the dialogue it's a dialogue about love and and why we love and and stuff like that and uh he's plato is using this in order for him to at the end of the discussion talk about the desire for knowledge and the so we are uh we are subject to the desire for knowledge and this is what gets us to love wisdom because we started with this right so for you to genuinely seek knowledge whatever knowledge means whatever uh, even if you don't know what you're seeking if you're just driven by something you're you're curious about something this is for for uh, for plato a, a you are uh, overcome by this desire for uh, quest for and what you said is uh justine in this case is 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 interesting because we assume usually uh that uh you mentioned uh steven mentioned pop buddhism and and we're we're looking at at aurelius i'll, I'll get to aurelius uh, shortly we assume that we we discuss or or we think maybe nowadays uh that we we seek this person because this person has the answers or that this religion has the answers, or that this philosophy has the answers, or, or self-help books have the answers, and then we just read them, and uh, out of nowhere, now we, we know how to live our lives. And this is not the case. The uh, thinking is the main thought. Come again? The main thought, the main theme might be that we can outsource thinking. Yes, it, it's, it's not that. Uh, so the genuine kind of quest, the, what the ancient philosophers were doing, what Socrates was trying to do, and what Marcus Aurelius was also trying to do, because uh, meditations can be translated differently as well, and this is a crucial uh, point also. It's, and this is what Plato also uh, realized. You cannot, unlike the sophists who thought that they can actually, you can outsource knowledge, you can get someone to convince you something, uh, when we're talking about things of, of personal interest, when we're talking about our life, when we're talking about me living my life, ultimately, I don't seek others because they have the answers. I seek others because I am interested in, in this journey of exploration. And this journey of exploration, while, as I dialogue with others, as I converse with others, I would be scrutinizing myself, I would be examining myself, my life, and that's how I'm going to be uh, at least attempting to live a good life. So all these schools of thought, it's also important to keep in mind we're not, the reason why they branch out and they have different uh, principles or uh, different uh, modes of perceiving the world, they have different what we would call logic or logic, different logic in, in the uh, basic sense. We're not talking about whether logic is universal or not here. And different physics, 
physics as in the study of nature and different ethics up to a certain point. It's not because they thought, uh, well, this is the absolute truth and therefore we should uh, try to spread the word. It was just the result of their genuine exploration. So it was, it was a genuine attempt to read, converse, uh, to know how to read, to learn how to read, to reread, to listen, to dialogue. So it was, it was more of a uh, spiritual exercise as I started uh, with the first uh, session. So it was, it was an ongoing exercise and they, they just were willing to explore new things, right? Because, and they didn't shy away from saying, you know what, Aristotle, for example, uh, disagreed with Plato on a few things and this is where he did his own thing. So you have a basis, instead of just discarding this basis and, and saying all these schools of thought are shit, I'm going to be starting afresh. They would go back uh, to the, to, for them, the classics, you know, going back in time, 100, 200, 300 years uh, and learn from them, examine them and then syncretize and synthesize this knowledge. And then they would uh, based on their experience, they would come up with new things. So it, was, it wasn't a theoretical epistemic quest. It wasn't about trying to prove they were right or false, or uh, they were, uh, their, their propositions were true or false, or they were right or wrong. This is, of course, important, like, but, but in what way? Not in only a theoretical sense, but in a practical sense. And this is where meditations, Marcus Aurelius meditations come, come in. Uh, because a better uh, uh, translation of, of this uh, notebook is exhortations to myself. Uh, so it's, it's like a notebook whereby he's writing things to remind himself on a daily basis uh, what, what has gone through his uh, mind and what he... Uh, what he maybe did wrong, what he needs to, uh, to, to remember, how he needs to keep. So he was keeping himself in check. And this is in a way examining himself. And I'll say a few more things, but uh, Justine had, uh, you, you have something to say? Just because it came up in a conversation with my dad, why in English is Platon called Plateau and it's just missing the end? Uh, I have no idea, uh, but yes, it's Platon in, uh, in Greek and in Spanish. Uh, and in German, yeah. And, and in German. I think it's, it's just uh, easier to read or said, pronounced Plato, probably. Like Platon is, yeah, but it's, uh, In the that's, adjective, that's curious. It's platonic, right? So it's... Uh... Uh, yeah, magic. yeah, and it's it's something that you uh, yeah, but his his actual name is Platon. Uh, welcome to the Greek. So uh, related to this topic, I really like this. I have often wondered how it is that every man loves himself more than all the rest of men, but yet sets less value in his own opinion of himself than on the opinion of others. Yep, yep. Uh, oh yes. Uh, Platon is, is actually uh, how his uh, name is uh, pronounced and spelled, Platon. So, so this is exhortations to, to myself, right? The, so this book, this textbook is not meant 
or this text is not meant to be published. Uh, it's, it wasn't meant to be published. It was his, uh, in a way, personal diary. Uh, he's just writing to himself. And uh, the problem is in how we should interpret this. Uh, should I start with book one, book two, book three? Well, not necessarily. You can read whatever you feel like reading and you can jump back and forth and you will see the same concept repeated time and again because, because he's not trying to write a discourse. He's not trying to elaborate a system. He doesn't set out to prove anything. He's just really writing his own diary. And this is something that is... Uh, uh, so the, the actual uh, word for this is uh, iponemata, uh, meaning writing, like, uh, to be exact, so uh, a notes written on a daily basis for the author's personal use. So if we would be making the mistake of reading it as though he's, he's explaining Stoicism, or as though he's He's trying to understand Stoicism. What is he trying to do? He's trying to practice Stoicism. And that's something that we don't usually do now. It's like if you tell, if, if you ask someone, like for example, I don't know if you've, if you've taken a philosophy course with, uh, or if you've uh, passed by a philosophy department, they are usually, um, don't know how they are. And well, I've been to two philosophy departments in the US. Uh, they were interesting, but then these, you know, weird philosophy professors, everyone identifies as a Humean, I'm a Humean, I'm a Kantian, I'm, I'm a Cartesian, I'm a uh, Hobbesian. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Right? What does it mean for me to be a Leibnizian or a Humean or a Cartesian or a, an existentialist? Well, nowadays we associate it with... Um, Oh yes, of course, of course, and we are, we we did cover that, and uh, because I I actually used also spiritual exercises as or uh, philosophy as a way of life. This is by Pierre Ado. It's a very interesting book. Uh, so I used it in the philosophy of religion class, and we discussed this that the early writings of Christianity were intended as as a philosophy, and they were many of whom were just basically trying to do that. They they were trying to understand and practice instead of just you know, writing a, an intellectual discourse. So a philosophy professor now, you, if you tell them, they would, they would find it weird for you to say, like, do you mean you're a Stoic, like you live Stoic philosophy or Descartes, you live Cartesian philosophy or Kant? No, it's just that they, they accept their writings at an intellectual kind of level, but then they couldn't care less. Like if, if you see a philosophy professor now who's who considers himself a Platonist, but then they wouldn't be fit. And you cannot possibly be a Platonist who doesn't exercise. You know, it's like you're, you're this, it doesn't, it doesn't work because this is not how it was because for Plato, like uh, uh, what was uh, more, uh, what? Uh, oh, I was just seeing that 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 apparently these are never to meant published texts like Kafka was also I know that he he was like fundamentally against the idea of them ever becoming public and they became public and are now big and yeah yeah, yeah. so the, but but yes it's like you cannot 
identify yourself as 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 a as a Stoic, for example, or Epicurean, and and not live uh, their philosophy. And this is what Marcus Aurelius was trying to do. So what we're going to be doing today is I'll I'll explain uh, the origins of Stoicism, and then I'll tell you what Marcus Aurelius himself was trying to do. Epictetus uh, influences him a lot. Uh, Epictetus was a slave, and then he was freed, uh, uh, and uh, he started teaching Stoicism as well. So we'll, we, as we will see, Stoicism appealed to a broad range of uh, uh, people across uh, between brackets of the globe from, uh, from Asia until uh, Spain. Seneca was from Spain uh, and Zeno was from uh, Cyprus, Zeno of Citium. So yeah, Zeno of Citium was the founder of, of Stoicism. Uh, so, uh, but first, before before we even do that, it's like I'm what what I wanted to say was that these people we for some reason we look at them with with a certain distance and we think that, uh, or at least I don't know how we would view them. Uh, many people would assume, you know, what? Yes, we need to curb our uh, passions and stuff like that or that I don't know if we ever would think about them uh, or would think that they would reflect on their daily lives in a normal way as we all do. So I just want to, to read a few things uh, which are also in a way hilarious by uh, Seneca and and by uh, Marcus Aurelius. So for example, uh, and before I, I even explain, uh, so uh, these foods and dishes are only dead fish, birds, and pigs. Uh, this Falernian wine is a bit of a grape juice. Uh, this purple-edged toga is some uh, sheep's hair dipped in the blood of shellfish. As for sex, it is the rubbing together of pieces of gut followed by spasmodic secretion of a little bit of slime. What the hell is that? Jesus, someone had a bad day, huh? <laughs> and I want to I want to start with like I'm I I, I will focus on on this not particular not particularly this uh, uh, this quote because what are they doing here? Right? Why are they pessimists? Are they disgusted by the by life? Do they just preach this kind of life of, of uh, uh, no enjoyment, no pleasures, etc.? No. Uh, that's that's also an exercise. Uh, so so it's interesting how they uh, look at, at things like. Uh, uh, sex that was a bit hilarious it's like how do you describe sex well it's the rubbing uh, together of pieces of gut followed by the spasmodic secretion of a little slime that was a bit uh... i think he forgot hormones in the mix <laughs> well uh yeah yeah as they would manifest so uh, and this is uh, epictetus I'd like to stand over one of these philosophers. So he's talking about, you know, because we, we usually think about people, intellectuals, and with a certain aura that they are serious and that, you know, whatever that is, we look at Plato, we're like this, uh, you know, 
uh, or even religious figures or anything of the sort. If you haven't read uh, the Confessions, I would uh, like I haven't read it all. I've read uh, bits and pieces, but it's also interesting. So Epictetus is, is also this exercise of reminding ourselves, I'd like to stand over one of these philosophers when he's having sex as to see how he sweats and strains, what kind of grunts and groans he utters, whether he can even remember his own name, much less the philosophical discourses he has heard declaimed or read. Uh, Marcus Aurelius applies the same method on death, consider what it is to die and, and that if one looks at death in and of itself, dissolving the images associated with death by taking part uh, our common conception of it, he will not suspect it to be anything other than product of nature. Uh, so, and then in another, uh, in another quote, he, instead of saying, I want, I would rather see them having sex. He's like, uh, remember that these people defecate and that they, they just like, uh, you know, so it's, it's, what are they doing here? Why, what, what kind of stuff is that? Imagine now thinking of uh, Descartes and, and Socrates and, and these people having sex and making weird noises and whether these things will be important for them, whether they will remember their names or uh, the discourses that they heard. What's, what's, what's all this about? Seems like he's, um, <clears throat> he's trying to, and, and Aurelius does this in the meditations, it seems like they're trying to remind all of us rich, poor, smart, dumb, you know, tall, short, slave, emperor, that we all have this extremely common denominator. You know, if you're having, if you're having lots of great sex, guess what? You also have to defecate and you also have to, you know, feed yourself food. And, you know, when you cut, you bleed and, and all of this. And so it's almost like a reminder that, again, and, and I, I always, am, I find it remarkable, the overlaps with Buddhism, but, but it's this thing that, look, the, the rich man, the poor man, all these people, we all have this extremely common thread of humanity. It's, we're not that different. Uh, yeah. Uh, on the one hand, it's, uh, and yes, uh, Peter Kingsley, by the way, because you're, you're making the connections, uh, Peter Kingsley argues that in a sense, one way or the other, they were influenced by uh, Asian uh, philosophy. I'll, I'll send you a few books if you're interested. Now, the early Peter Kingsley was uh, legit, but then Peter Kingsley started eventually writing, he started conjecturing, he has these uh, theories. So the early writings are, are more uh, like they, they are more or less uh, scholarly between brackets. So yeah, is it, is it only that? Is he only trying to remind himself that we are all equal? Is it a matter of only thinking to ourselves, you know what, we are only human beings after all? I think I sort of understand what's going on here. Maybe Geraldine does too, in the sense that when I first started doing the paleo diet, the way I would try to partly convince myself that carbs were bad for you was to say things like, imagine things like, well, this is poverty food. You know, it's really not that great. It's hyped. You have to do a lot of things to make carbs taste good, which is true, right? You need curry and things like that, chicken especially. 
So I think it's a way of convincing yourself, hey, you know what, sex is good, but isn't that great if you look at it this way? Which I'm not sure why you'd want to do that, but okay. Uh, yeah. So um, is he, and I'll, I'll read one more. Um, so we seem to find in them the expression of bitterness, disgust, and even nausea in the face of human existence. So Marcus Aurelius is going to be writing this also in the, uh, the following in the meditations. Uh, just like your bath water appears to you. So bath water, as in if you're taking uh, a bath, oil, sweat, filth, dirty water, all kinds of loathsome stuff, such is each portion of life and every substance. So... I'm just wondering if, if he's like, I mean, cynically or like dark humorly, you would say like in nowadays times, like, is he just super frustrated? I don't know, not having enough sex in his life or is he just the original incel? I don't know. Um, I mean, his, you could argue uh, his that- His wife definitely had some sex because they, they basically, uh, there are theories saying that she, she fooled around quite a lot uh, despite all this, he still loved her. So yeah, but uh, but is it is it only a matter of um, he did? A, is it a matter of anger and frustration? Well, it, isn't it like uh, already mentally uh, experiencing some form of anger and frustration in order to prevent the actual anger and frustration from happening from external influences? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it could be just like Trishank also with the paleo diet. It's on the one hand, so what you, what you all said is, is uh, true one way or the other because um, it's just a method. So it's, it's an exercise that he's constantly doing uh, on a daily basis, reminding himself because why do we need to remind ourselves that? And, and if, if you think about it, even before we get to stoicism, right? It's just someone who's, who's doing this on a daily basis and you read this book without knowing what, who Marcus Aurelius was or that he was the emperor of Rome uh, or that uh, his, uh, uh, his reign was marked with uh, all sorts of disasters uh, and catastrophes, plague and uh, earthquakes and wars and shit like that. He's if if we if we indulge in whatever it is, right? If if you just think about it this way, human beings we have the tendency of of just uh, falling uh, or or becoming prisoners of of our what? What's human beings if if we want to think about our uh, how how we are made? It's just as as a human, yeah. Uh, forget about uh, ancient uh, philosophy or modern philosophy or schools of thought. What are we made of ultimately? Desires and needs. Yeah. So biologically speaking, we have certain desires and needs. We have uh, certain passions. Uh, we have we have also thoughts, right? But then. Uh, and we have we have instincts, desires, and we seek stuff. And it's quite often that uh, this is also going to be sounding uh, a lot like Buddhism. It's like the source of all suffering, 
for for the ancient Greeks were desires and the passions and and our needs. And this is what the Epicureans are, are also going to be uh, saying. They they all shared this view. It's like, why are we miserable human beings? Well, because uh, we have desires and we want to constantly fulfill our desires. And you get into this kind of, you spiral into the abyss of trying to constantly fulfill your desires, which are never actually fulfilled. And so in a way, if, if you have sex or if you start acquiring wealth, you become prisoner to your wealth. So if, uh, or having, uh, it, it's as though your life, think, think in terms of modern day as well. It need not necessarily be only ancient times. It's like if if all of a sudden overnight now you have uh, you've uh, if if you had Bitcoin and then I don't know ten years later you have now thirty million dollars, right? And you sell the Bitcoin and now you have thirty million dollars and it how how will you react? And not only will you spend them or not for, forget about the spending part, it's just, it, it feels nice. And then you start thinking, you, you become obsessed with, with your, uh, with wealth, with keeping first, it or, huh? First, you see it as normal, as like part of your life. I think the moment you start or you, you start seeing things as part of your life, then it becomes dangerous because then the moment you, they get taken away or you take them away, then suddenly your life stops um, yeah. and you have to find a new life. And if you it, instead like be aware of what kind of luxury you have, then you can take a lot away and live very freely because well, it's taken away, it's, you still have your life. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's we, we completely, this is by the way, Trishank, this, uh, this definition is actually very interesting. Stoicism, <laughs> that's, that's a good tweet. Stoicism be like Bitcoin <laughs> is just a bunch of useless ones and zeros that grind against each other. Yep. Uh, so so we, we, we tend to forget the point. Uh, even if you're just a philosophy professor, right, an academic, uh, with time, your life, you start, I think we mentioned this before, and I, this is why I told you we'll, we'll get to it, like you start identifying your life with what you do, and then you just think that your life revolves around this, uh, that I'm a philosophy professor at the university, I'm an academic, my life revolves around proving that Plato said this, or Plato said though. that, uh, or, it, yeah. Sorry, is that, in my impression so far, it's something that is very culturally dependent. I've, I've realized that while traveling, I traveled literally around the but globe. Why culturally dependent? Now, if we're talking I don't know, now. I don't know yet why. Because there are these elements in a way. So is it just and, me or is the internet connection? Uh, my internet. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, now again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I'm using 4G. So if my 4G sucks, I'll switch to Wi-Fi. Is it okay? Can you hear me? Now every 20 minutes, like for a second or something, it's not bad. Okay. Uh, so uh, if, if we're thinking now, it's, uh, we can talk about, you know, the different uh, cultures, etc. But then at, without this culture and how we, uh, how each culture would, would deal with such situations, the idea is that we can be prone to, uh, 
becoming prisoners of our passions and desires. Uh, we become addicted to things. We become uh, overly obsessive with things uh, or with just modern day times, consumerism, etc., etc. So the ancient Greeks were aware of that. And for them, they wanted to get rid of this. But get rid of this how? How can we control our desires and passions? How can we, how can we try to curb uh, these desires and passions? Do we live an ascetic life? Uh, do we ditch absolutely everything and, and go uh, live in, in whatever uh, on the outskirts of, of society, not participating in, uh, in civil life? Or how should we do it? Well. The Stoics will approach it from, a, from one perspective. The Epicureans next time we'll see they will try to sort it out or try to tackle the issue differently. Uh, but for starters, so, and even Plato before thought about it differently, but uh, we'll start with Zeno today uh, as, as the founder of, of Stoicism. So Zeno was on his way, uh, was, uh, he, he was a merchant and he had a shipwreck. So he was, he imagined now you, you're wealthy, etc., or you have a business and uh, overnight your business just goes bankrupt. <laughs> exactly. This is so, so then you go to he, he, uh, Zeno of Citium, uh, the, his, his dates are 334, 262 uh, BC. Uh, he, he went to like put yourself in his, in his position, right? Uh, one day you have a business, uh, put your, like, uh, Jeff Bezos or, or Elon Musk, right? And tomorrow you, you go bankrupt or like, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Jack, my think, yeah, uninsured, uh, they, they want to. Well, Jack, Ma, his... we don't know where he's rotting right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, so the, but the idea here is that all of a sudden you lose absolutely everything. How will you deal with it? 2008 uh, market crash, for example. It's one day you have everything you wanted. On the day after, you've lost everything. So how are you going to be dealing with this? And Zeno, um, it, it, it left quite the impression because you think to yourself, some people would just blame fates and God and nature and everything. And they would think it's, they are the targets uh, of, of this attack, right? and you would start having conspiracy theories. Uh, yes, but hedonism here in modern day sense is what Epicureans were hedonists. So it's, it's quite funny how what originally meant to curb your desire becomes seeking pleasures and overindulging in them. But we'll, we'll get to it next time. Oh. That's interesting. Okay. Yes, yes, because we that's we've like always... that's like communists uh, ending up embracing capitalism. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, yeah, because for them it was yeah counterintuitively. It's like if you see you you satisfy your basic pleasures, and you satisfy it up to a point, and that's it. Basic needs. So we'll 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 discuss them next time. But yeah, I someone could not uh could not fathom in in one of the classes how hedonism meant that back in the day and i'm like this is what they this is 
this is their philosophy, man. But anyway, so Zeno, how would you react in this case? Right? Would you would you start blaming the gods and and think that it's only raining on you and you start uh, uh, weaving conspiracy theories because they want to attack you, etc.? Or how would you react to it? And this is where I start uh, sharing. I remember we're still discussing uh, Zeno of Cetium, the founder of uh, Stoicism. I, I think it's very backward looking. I mean, it's looking at what happened instead of looking where to go. Like, why do I care who is responsible? Like, if it's the gods or if it's something else. I mean, I'm more interested in figuring out where I'm going to go in my life than where I came from. Exactly. And and someone said, uh, who said, just like Trump, Trishank. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, it's like I, I wouldn't accept it. I would accept it, etc. And uh, if, if you want to try to think about it in a rational way, way and rational way in ancient Greece doesn't mean the rational way as we understand it today. It's just, it means uh, like thinking about it, not calculating and, and trying to figure out uh, stuff in a, in a very uh, scientific manner, but just like thinking about what happened, right? Trying to make sense of, of what happened and how to uh, deal with the situation. And Zeno went uh, to Athens, uh, he was exposed to a series of, there were uh, several schools of uh, thought, different philosophical schools, as I said. Uh, there are many Zenos, this one is from Cetium. What's happening, okay. Uh, Zeno, 341, uh, 270. And he was exposed to the school, to different schools of thought, including the cynics. Um, I don't know if you know Diogenes the cynic, but then the cynics, this is where someone being even cynical now means something else. But then Diogenes the cynic uh, was against all sorts of customs and norms. Uh, so he, he would make it a point uh, to masturbate in public to have raw meat, uh, all stuff that went against, yes, yes. I, I write about that in, in, the, uh, in Sardonically Speaking because it's, it was like he's, he took it too far. He even, but he had skin in the game such that I, one of the uh, uh, theories about how he died was uh, he got uh, food poisoning because he, he ate I don't, an octopus, I think, and, and he was poisoned. Uh, so uh, because he, he insisted on eating things raw. So he wanted to live, the cynics wanted to live, and this is important, in accordance with nature. So the discussion here becomes about the difference between living uh, our lives in accordance with nature versus living a what we call or what, what they understood by it, a civilized life. Uh, so remember, this is uh, uh, cynics. But the the words here are are important, and this is why I'm mentioning the cynics, not just because I wanted to talk about uh, him doing weird shit. And he he lived in a battle and did weird things. So whatever you know, society did. He wanted to do the absolute 
opposite because he uh, he wanted, as I said, to live in accordance with nature. So we have in accord living in accordance with nature versus uh, living a civil civilized life. Whatever that means, right? So including customs, uh, traditions, laws, uh, etc. Uh, and and it's it gets you thinking, right? It gets you to, to to start thinking what what does it mean for us to live in accordance with nature? Uh, how how should we live our life? Uh, what should we follow? Uh, what kind of and if we are going to be having laws, justice, temperance, etc., ethics, where do we derive them from? Uh, if we look at uh, nature, for example, and you see. Uh, dogs and cats having sex with each other and then even uh, what we call ourselves as as incest a mother with uh, with her son etc it's like they, they should we should we do like they do or where does where do these things come from uh, so it's it's just food for thought Zeno was also introduced to Plato's uh, philosophy uh, introduced, he was studying it with uh, at the academy that Plato founded, but it was headed by someone else. Plato uh, had uh, died, and he was exposed to Aristotle's philosophy. And he was no, 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 no. Uh, that's uh, that's why I said Zeno of Cetium is different from Zeno of uh, I can remember. Uh, Somewhere in Italy, I think, Zeno of, I forgot, I'll, uh, it will come back. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not the Zeno Spanish. In the chat, it was written Elia. Uh, right? Yes, Zeno of, uh, yeah, Elia, yep. Uh, so he's, he's, wh why am I mentioning all this? Because he was exposed to all these different schools of thought. Uh, and he started thinking to himself about this, the way of nature, uh, thinking about things like justice, living a good life, Plato's theory of forms, which we've discussed before, uh, and living a virtuous life, a life of virtue. What does that mean? Living an ethical life, uh, meaning living a, uh, a life cultivating good character, uh, and at the same time, seeking knowledge and wisdom. And he started also thinking about what happened to him. How am I going to be overcoming this? How should we be living our lives? What kind of stuff uh, we should be taking into consideration? And he... <laughs> nah. Yeah. Thanks for the marketing tip. Uh, so, yeah, I am giving an ethics course. But I've, uh, if you're interested, we'll discuss virtue ethics. But yeah, anyway. Uh, so the, the idea was that he went to the stoa, uh, the colonnade. It was, you know, columns covered. It was uh, up to the north of the marketplace in, in Athens. So he was in the center of, society, uh, of, of the city, more or less, which is also important because the Epicureans will decide to leave the city. They will be at the outskirts of the city. Uh, they will buy a house and they will just live there. Uh, they didn't want to participate in, in society. So the Stoics have a different 
conception from from its inception from its origin uh xeno is going to be going to the this is why they are called uh stoics stoa as as i said you know there's there are columns it's it's covered at the marketplace and they just he just started teaching there and of course things will start evolving like they would be discussing things he wrote uh he has uh, a few writings and he's going to be thinking about things but all this to say one particular thing which is important for the uh for the greeks or for the stoics he's going to be establishing a difference between what we can control and what we don't have control over so in relation to the shipwreck right how are we going to be dealing with life shit happens in life right that's um, shit happens but then how am i going to be thinking about things how am i going to be thinking about about what happens in my life i have a shipwreck how i how will i think about it how will i approach it how will i try to uh, process it and if you think about it it's like what can we control in our lives what can we have control over our mind the future only the future this is this is where uh yes it's it's our we'll we'll get to it uh the the this so I'll, i'll i'll start with modern day kind of is it our choices actions because the way um the way so, uh, uh, evolutionary psychologists and everyone now is 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 very um focused on predictability no it's like science works because it can tell you what will happen in the future kind of uh, if you have data and statistics you can know what will happen in the future or you can know uh like certainty kind of so truly we don't control anything in life right at least the ancients believed that uh, this is way before newton and before the mechanistic view of the world and the conditions and and physics newtonian physics exactly so we have from from a zeno stoic perspective they understood that you really the only thing you have control over is your attitude towards what happens in the external world so uh, as steven said what we can control is our mindset and in a different way it's our ethics our ethical framework and this is ethics broadly speaking like uh, what we think is good to do and what we think is bad to do right so if i think it's good for me to let's say uh, study philosophy or to to do business this way that way this is what i can control in a way meaning that i can uh, prepare myself i can uh start pursuing it i can start practicing it i can if if courage is good or if if being generous is good or if uh, being educated is good uh so whatever virtues we assume are good this is what we need to actively seek versus trying to refrain from doing the bad things like 
murder, like lying, whatever. And this is, I'm, I'm just using them in, a, uh, in general terms, right? Uh, lying versus honesty, etc. It's just, these are, whatever the good things are, we need to pursue them. Whatever the bad things are, we need to refrain from doing them. Uh, you guys- How do you refrain from doing bad things if you can't control your actions? No, you can only control your actions. So the only yes. thing you can control is your actions, but you cannot control. So for example, your actions now is that you want to, you, you have a business and you're running a business, right? But then Corona happens. So how, this is, this is, stoicism is actually very, very interesting for us now because we're, we're living, like if, if you were in Lebanon, I would have used a different example, but then Corona is something we all have in common now. I, I, but I, that, that is all dependent on you having free will because if there's no free will, then you don't really have control over your actions. No, no, actions no, no, no. Take. no, 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 no. Because, because irrespective of whether you think there's free will or not. Oh, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, when it comes to your decisions, it's not, it's not only... F Even if you don't have a free will, you can still say no. But, but then wouldn't that be an expression of my free will to consciously and be free in deciding no? Like, otherwise, it would be no free will. Uh, yes, but the thing is... I mean, is, if, it's, if like, it's already known that I will say no, it's still no free will. No, it's, and I don't want to get into that discussion because we, we will end up uh, like uh, only discussing free will versus uh, are we determined or are we not? <laughs> If, separate from free will, you still have the, the, you usually don't really directly control your actions and thoughts. Isn't it more a case of like cultivating a part of character that then will eventually result in you taking certain courses of actions? Uh, yes, this is very indirect. This is, this is it because it's, so it's, it's not that I, uh, so this is why they, it's, in fact, in a way, we are free. Uh, and that's the argument that uh, Kant is going to be giving. And I'm, I'm giving Kant's argument because it's, uh, it's helpful here. The fact that we care about good and bad means at some level, we have freedom of choice. Because if we weren't really free, we wouldn't care about things like incest and weird shit and murder. But think in terms of cats uh, and dogs and the animal kingdom in general. So it's, it's the idea here is, uh, what do you mean? How would slaves- So, so, so let's, let's say I'm a slave, so I have completely no choice. Uh, and what I do, so I'm. Epictetus, Epictetus was freed, so it's uh, so here. Again, think about it this way. So you don't have a choice about being a slave, even if they haven't condemned slavery. But it's 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 an external kind of factor. It's not something that you have a saying in it. Uh, so. And not to justify, right? But then Epictetus dealt with it. He was a slave and he was a Stoic and he, he, he dealt with it in a way such that he thought to himself, you know what, what can I do about it? 
now I can do nothing, so I, I will work accordingly. So being a slave is, depends on external forces more so than your choice. But when it comes to our choices of whether I should eat uh, or not should eat, whether I should tell a lie or not, the fact that we care about whether I should lie or not, irrespective of what I'm going to be saying afterwards, this is where we have a choice. Now, Assuming you have free will. Uh, yes and no, but I we can discuss this like afterwards because uh, that's that's a completely different topic. Yeah, uh, the Stoics, so they they it's a bit complicated for the Stoics, and free will is a bad concept. We'll we can discuss it when we get uh, to, to Descartes and and whatnot. But the idea here is that. Ultimately, we have a choice in that we can now, whether it's grounded in our biology or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, the idea is you have a shipwreck or now uh, Corona. We don't have a choice in Corona. It's just maybe we did have a choice, right? This is, this is besides the fact. How did Corona happen? Well, you know what? It's be beyond our... Uh, control as as you and I and those who are in class like we weren't involved all of a sudden you are facing this new reality so how should you how will we behave how will we react to this and this is where the stoic comes in and the stoic says you know what what it's we cannot control uh, these external forces what we can control is how we react to these external forces how will we react uh, to these external forces? How is it important to discuss or how, how are we going to be thinking about it? Because it's also maybe not necessarily counterintuitive, but it's, uh, it's interesting how the uh, Stoics think. Is Corona a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing or a good thing as the fact that it happened, yeah? Uh, not. Uh, Is that a serious question? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a serious question. Uh, it depends. Does it have? Depends on. Depends on where you are um, on your society. Depends on in which position you are. It can be good and it can be bad. It can be in between. It can be totally not important. What do you guys think besides uh, besides that? Like it can be good, it can be bad. Anyone here has any other view of it? I think Nassim's response to Corona. I mean, he had a tweet once which said something like, "Was it um, how well you responded to Corona will indicate how robust you will be for the next several decades?" Something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, but. But is it good or is it bad that it happened? Neither. Hmm? It's, it's neither good or bad. It's, it's not objectively good or objectively bad. I mean, it's uh, good, good according to what? Like in what situation? I mean, we have to define a bit more. But uh, what's good or bad is how you react to corona happening, I think, versus it happening by it in and of it itself. Uh, yeah, 
but um, so think about it also this way. You've uh, you've been planning uh, a a gap year uh, starting last year, starting let's say April, and you were planned to uh, travel uh, the world, and you had everything put in place. Everything you've done your reservations or maybe not, whatever that is, you have. You have you've made plans, and 2020 was the best was going to be the best year for you. And then lockdown happens. How what? How how will you react to that? What would you uh, certainly bad? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I agree with Tan uh, that of course if you're someone with high risk of getting the disease, it's very bad. If you're someone whose business depends on not having lockdown of course it's very bad and uh, you know but if you're if you're amazon uh, it's pretty good so uh, you know yeah and in my case i i'm now only because of corona was able to convince my favorite bar in munich to do a virtual bar and we're now a virtual bar that is open despite lockdown legally and uh, he's super happy and that would have never happened if it how wasn't does, for corona how does, uh, what how does that work that's the topic for after this course, but it's uh, <laughs> like you're sell, you sell, you sell, uh, you deliver uh, booze. It's, uh, like it was, it was a, it was a job to be done metaphor. Thinking like, what is a bar? And a bar is a place where I can meet with friends, and I don't have to care about the place being there. And I, it's good drinks. I don't want to mix them myself. Otherwise, I wouldn't go into a bar. I would stay home. And uh, it's nice ambience and sometimes chatting with him and being a private space in a public area. Nice. So you have like a, a, a breakout rooms. So you're private and he, he can join. He joins from the bar and has a good microphone and good video. And people are happy. They have good quality cocktails and they get like a little that that's one of his specialties, like like little 10 milliliter bottles as well to like fine tune the cocktail that he usually would do in the bar. Now you can do that yourself at home. Nice. People, people do that and they're happy. Yeah, and it's See, something that would have never happened uh, if it wasn't for Corona with him. And the idea here is that uh, Stoics, a stressor that we need. Yes, you're right. But the the, the Stoics uh, refrain from value judging anything that happens uh, beyond their control. So any external forces, Corona happens they would refrain from judging it, whether it be it good or bad. Uh, they just accept the fact that Corona happened. Uh, they just accept the fact that we grow old, right? The problem is they think is when we start value judging. Uh, any events or anything that happens in the world. Because when we start thinking in terms of, oh my God, Corona is, it's, it's, it's bad or it's good. This will affect our psyche. This will affect how we uh, deal with situations. Um, it's uh, just like I, I just, uh, I, the, the example I gave you, if you've had all your uh, travels planned, etc., and then out of nowhere, uh, Corona outbreak, and then if you value judge it as good or bad, this will affect your 
your emotions and your desires and your psyche. So if you think it's bad, this this is this is uh, it will affect you one way or the other. And if you affect it, if you think it's good, you will also act accordingly. Uh, and this is why the Stoics refrain from thinking in terms of oh this is good, oh this is bad. The only thing they think about in terms of good or bad is their actions. Why? Because my actions uh, are uh, fundamentally ethical or I need to be a good person, I need to be an ethical person, but then anything that happens outside, I'm not going to be judging as either good or bad. I am going to be, that's an interesting concept, indifferent to anything that happens. And if you think about it, uh, if I die, nature defeated me. Yes, in a, in a way, but mind you. So it's, it's not a matter of, okay, this indifference to external forces doesn't mean I should not uh, deal with, with the risks, with uh, disease, with the fact that I'm growing old, right? So I am getting older with, and, and, uh, how, how will I deal with it? Yeah, so you, you grow old, what do you do? Do you sit down and say, you know what, I'm accepting my fate, I will grow old? Or do you train and exercise so that you would learn how to grow old? Yeah, so it's, it's important to distinguish between value judging growing older because many people would think you know what i'm getting older this is bad oh my god it's it sucks and then it affects you in a way versus you know what this the fact is and that's where we get to the part where they are discussing sex and and weird stuff like that it's it's like the it's it is this is what they call looking at things objectively Objectively, not in the sense of understanding how reality is in a scientific way. It's just understanding that this is, if you, if you, uh, if you take out this value judgment, um, is a volcano erupting good or bad? It just happens. Is corona good or bad? Disease happens. Now, we can discuss whether it was... It's, it's natural or it was uh, synthesized in a lab, that's, that's completely different. Like we live in a shitty world nowadays and we have to deal with this. But the idea is if we, if we assume that, you know, bad forces all over the place and weird shit going on and this is bad, it's, it's going to be affecting us. So, but what we need to do is we need to refrain from thinking in terms of uh, this is good or this is bad and uh, oh my God, this is not cool and this is cool. And what so, we need to do is we need to adapt. Uh, we just need to basically do what we uh, can control, to pursue so, what we can control. So isn't this effectively like the old saying of love it, change it, or leave it? So you, you love it, you change it, or you leave it. I mean, if you, like you, you should only complain about things that you would then actually care so much about that you actually try to change. Otherwise, you, Not you even. wouldn't. No, it's, it's like, it's what you need. To, the only thing you need to care about is, is yourself, is how you're going to be doing things, your business, uh, your, uh, your life. And I'll get to the part where we discuss a community, but that's at the beginning. This, this is the, the fundamental kind of part of, of stoicism. It's like, 
anything I cannot control, I'm not going to be value judging as good or bad. Uh, why? Selfish view? You mean the Stoics? Uh, you're on mute. Yeah, I was just uh, responding to your comment. Yeah, tell me. Saying that, uh, no, just a few sentences ago, you said you just have to view it from one's perspective, whether it affects others or not, it doesn't matter to you. Uh, no. Maybe I mis misinterpreted. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll also discuss this. So for now, we're just thinking in terms of per at, at a personal level. Yeah, this is uh, a very basic level. At the personal level, it's, it's all about, because mind you, the, uh, the discussion is going to be how, we, how this will scale and whether this will scale and we'll, this is where we'll get uh, uh, to someone like Marcus Aurelius. It's at a, think in terms of Zeno with a shipwreck, etc. how will I be dealing with this thing? It's, so you would think to yourself, I, in, in the sense of uh, Zeno, maybe he was taking care of, of, the, of his vessel, of the ship. Every, uh, everything was, was put in place. He under, and, or in modern day times, like you've taken care of, of the airplane. Uh, it has enough fuel. It will get you to, to the destiny. You've, you've taken all precautions. Right? You've done what you have to do in order to get uh, the shipment to its uh, destiny. But then shit happens, like a technical error or stuff, shit happens. What will you do? Well, you know what? It's, it's beyond your control now. Uh, you've studied for an exam, let's say, or you've, you've prepared for this interview, or you've, or, or you've written, you've been working on this code for the past, I don't know how many hours and days, and then uh, shit happens and you have bugs all over the place and or then your boss says one thing and then you someone else says another thing is what you can control in all this is how you react to things so if your boss doesn't like what you did well can you can you change the fact that your boss doesn't like what you did and and your boss is an asshole maybe or not but the idea is will you start thinking in terms of my boss is is a shitty person if you start thinking that it's it's going to be influencing how you do your work and in this case what the stoic would say you know what forget about what your boss says do your work and that's it try to do the best work possible and then see how things uh, go without without kind of uh, focusing or without without this between brackets vi victimology narratives nowadays it's like oh my god my boss hates me or oh my god this is bad or shit I did not get into this school or Harvard did not accept me or I did not get into med school etc right because we we have plans in life and this is why stoicism is also about hedging it's like you 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 do your plans but then you don't focus on, on one particular plan or you don't think in terms of this is, that's it. If I get into med school, it's the best thing that will have happened to me in my life versus if I don't get to, to med school, my life will, will be hell. And you see people who, who go through all this. It's like, if I don't get into this and then I would sit down and start lamenting and think that this is the end of the world. Well, no, if you lose your wealth, 
it, like like for example Zeno, you would start thinking, you know what, this is life sucks. What's the what's the point? How, why should I live now that I've lost everything? Uh, and we can take it to a more macabre kind of uh, situations, but then I'm 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 only going to be referring to uh, the, the simple stuff. And in terms of you know explosions and wars and shit like that, how will you deal with that? Well, you know, shit happens. Because why? Because it's beyond my control. It's not that war is good or bad, because if you look at it in a way or the other, shit happens. And whether we like it or not, there is war, let's say. right? So how will we deal with it? And this is why Marcus Aurelius here becomes important. Because Marcus Aurelius, who is the Roman emperor, so sto is Stoicism about, therefore, we should just sit down and do nothing in our lives? Or we, should we pursue our lives in, in any capacity that we, uh, that, uh, that we are in? Mahmoud, yes. uh, sorry, I have a question. You live in Lebanon, and of course, I lived there for most of my life. <laughs> yeah. Do you just accept that the politi political class are just you know, treating you the way they are? At what point do you say, okay, I have to change this? See, this is exactly, this is, this is the point here. It's, it has nothing to do with whether I should uh, change or not, or should pursue uh, to try to put forward a different agenda or try to find a solution. The difference here is as follows. So stoicism is not a call to inaction because Marcus Aurelius, as I said, was a Roman emperor. He was, uh, the emperor of Rome. He participated in wars. Uh, he had to deal with uh, plague, with a plague. He had to deal with disasters across the empire, as I said, uh, earthquakes and, and shit like that. And he participated in war. He had, between brackets, skin in the game. He, he, he traveled around and he was attacked from the east and then he was attacked from the west. Uh, and, and he was constantly on the move and his wife died uh during in in one of the i forgot which uh which country it was but then so he's he is the roman emperor yeah so he's he's and and that's why he exhortations to himself does it mean i should accept the status quo no i should not accept the status quo i should improve i should I should even try to improve myself and others. We should, this is where discussion and dialogue comes in. We should seek to improve ourselves. But that's why we, see, we should seek to improve ourselves, become better people as individually and society, because the only thing that we can control is getting ourselves, making ourselves better and, and getting other people to become better versions of themselves. So in Lebanon, the problem is when you start according to stoicism yeah when you and maybe this will apply now in, in in the us and i don't know where else when you start accusing the political class of of or when when you start looking at corruption as bad and as the end of the universe and as therefore all this is shit and they become the enemy and blah 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 so in, in a way, you, you don't look at corruption as something bad. You look at them as doing something, uh, as, as them being unethical. And based on that, well, we are fucked, right, in, in Lebanon. So, but do I say the situation is fucked and, I, and this is bad and I need to, to... You would stress 
over that. So you had a strong lockdown. You're less fucked than in Germany sometimes, it seems. <laughs> oh, believe me, we are fucked uh, in a way. If I look at the death rates, Germany is right now top five globally in like total amount of deaths per week. Like it's we're not in a good place. Uh, yeah, but without uh, without a semi-nuclear explosion uh, five five six months ago that uh, that you had to, that traumatizes you, right? That's uh, so. It's for me. Th this is the thing. It's like if you look at the explosion as something bad, or COVID as something bad, and deaths as something bad, it's it it complicates things according to the Stoics. Stoics, keep that in mind. What you need to do is, and I know this is this is weird nowadays to look at that, but it's it's like instead of channeling your anger to the issue itself as something bad, try to work on cultivating a a uh, uh, an environment where people seek to become better. Because because this is where change really uh, happens. So you cannot, you cannot, in a way, I'm, I'm trying to think now in terms of uh, how we should do things in, in Lebanon it's, or, or anywhere politically. It's like this stalemate between two political parties, let's say in the US, who accuse each other of being uh, shitty and enemies, etc. It's how will you resolve that? Right? Because if you... at if you don't talk to that person because this is bad or what they do is bad, etc., how will you ever talk? How will you ever discuss things? How will you? It ever might happen soon by by like my my old th thinking of like they just need a third party on the on the federal level. They, they need to have like this little like this little fucker who's always like tipping the balance that they always need to talk to like this coalition partner and then then they need to. So it's either be it's, like just no no progress or they will have to talk. And I think that's yeah. that might happen actually. Yeah. And so so it's it's it, but if you if you don't, does this mean therefore that I shouldn't be politically involved? No, of course. And there's war and there's there are discussions and the, and and things happen, but then without this prism of Uh, looking at things in terms of oh this is good that it happened or this is bad that it ha that, that it happened because the only thing that we can control is is uh, ourselves so much so that uh, for example Marcus Aurelius and the Stoics in general uh, argue that uh, if something if other people and this is I don't know whether you agree with it or not we can have uh, we can discuss this eventually if other people do you wrong it's not because it is premeditated because they are evil it's because they don't know any better i think um i like uh assad's question it's um i've heard it put a lot of people think of stoics I, this is not my analogy and so i the, the credit to somebody else for, for pointing this out, but a lot of people think of Stoics as sort of a cow in a, a, a field and it starts to rain and the cow just sits there looking sad and that's a Stoic. You know, you just accept, oh shit, it's raining, here it is. And that's, and that's not it. You know, nope. the Stoics are more, the Stoics are more, okay, it's raining. This happens, of course, shit happens. We all know that, like, be, be, accept that. Now, Don't be an idiot. Get out of the rain. 
You know, the, you need to exactly. take a practical, you need a practical response to this. So to the question of, hey, what do you do with the, the shitty politics in Lebanon or, you know, whatever moment it is that we're talking about, it's, you know, don't get carried away with losing your mind that the crappy thing has happened or that your situation sucks. It's more just that, okay, be level about that. Don't do anything rash. And now, you know, work your way towards something yes. better. And this, this rash thing is very important because you need to take your time because this rashness is the outcome of, uh, uh, which is uh, what uh, Trishank, I think, commented. It's as though we're, we're automatically kind of, we, uh, you read a tweet and all of a sudden you're now all riled up and you want to jump uh, to, to do this or do that or, uh, or people who, uh, as, as we saw, who, uh, who cannot understand why Nassim waited for four years to, to say what he learned about Trump's presidency, right? Um, uh, discovered this. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because so the but not only when the emotions are high. So we need to uh, about uh, how we we are going to be because when so it's it's there's a second order kind of effect to things because not only are you emotional about it, you think that what happened is bad and now you're even angrier. It's like you're angry, you're more angry at something because you think it's bad that it happened. And, and it's instead of now trying to deal with the situation, uh, rational here doesn't mean um, calculating, as I said, abstractly, etc. No, it just means knowing what options you have thinking about the possibilities that you have. But then if you're all too caught up in, in thinking that this is bad and you're angry and, and you jump to, uh, to you, you make uh, rash decisions about absolutely uh, not first order thinking, uh, but, but they avoid that second order kind of um, reaction things so they are not reactionaries in a way they they don't jump to they they refrain from value judgments and they try to second order thinking in terms of like thinking about uh, possibilities thinking about their decisions etc but without the uh, in the without rushing into uh, things so you take your time and this is why <clears throat> they ancient Greeks in general, this is something that we, we miss maybe nowadays. Uh, they start at, at the individual level, at the community level. So it's pretty localist in a way. Uh, staying in emotions keeps you stuck instead of uh, allowing you to move forward. Yeah, yeah. So it's, the question becomes how to scale it up and whether it scales up because there are things that depend on us and to, to go back to what Tan said uh, individually, I have to do what I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Stoke County rain doesn't tweet, it's outrage, yell at <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, or not, if if she if the cow cannot doesn't find anywhere else to, uh, that would shelter 
uh, her from the from the rain. But yes, yes. So the idea here is individually we can we can control ourselves one way or the other. Uh, we can try to teach by example our kids and a community at a small level at a at a small community local community maybe it works but then the problem is like marcus aurelius was well aware that when you run an empire uh, it people might be betraying you no and if if you're the emperor and people would do uh, <laughs> stoic cow what would the cow do uh, so you're, as humans, we are agents and we deal with other people. Until Marcus Aurelius then enjoys uh, the dead meat and then you're like, there's this uh, Twitter account, Carnivorous Aurelius or something, and then you're gone. And then he uh, devours your liver particularly this person is is even now uh, selling uh, liver right liver treats so so there this is where we get to the triple rule uh, that marcus aurelius had Ooh, yum have you tried them the aurelius one have you uh, do you know which account i'm talking about Man, if, if this stoic cow account actually uh, catches up. Yeah, what the, what the fuck is carnivorous? Or I used to see him. Is he like, a, how can you be? Anyway, it's weird. You should explain this to us. Uh, no, no, he's not, he's not a carnivore. He's, uh, I don't know who runs the account, by the way, but he's, uh, he's got interesting stuff. Uh, and he actually came to understand eventually that yeah only carnivore is not the way to go but uh, but he does have a liver fetish and it seems that Jerilyn also uh, likes liver <clears throat> cow liver or lamb or any anyone here i don't know if you if you guys know but in Lebanon, I'm not sure uh, about Turkey, maybe as well, or uh, we've spoken about that. We have raw liver and raw meat. Yeah, it's like raw, raw with not absolutely nothing, just some salt and and raw sheep fat tail as well. Deep, uh, uh, deep brain and tongue was something my Persian friends turned me onto. Deep, uh, what? No, sheep, sheep. Sheep. Sheep brain and tongue? How? Yeah, man, it's a Persian thing. It's pretty good. You know, we, we do have that, but how? Is it like cooked with rice, stuffed? Uh, I think they were lentils. I don't remember the rice. But knowing the Persians, there must have been rice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like... Uh... We basically, they eat absolutely everything around here. It's like uh, the, the intestines, the, uh, the tongue, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the brain, uh, 
and absolutely everything. Don't know if you, if anyone there. I mean, in, in Bavaria, we also eat brain and, and there's also, there's a soup, which is literally called sour lung. So it's lung, lung. liver, of course, is a delicacy, so. Most med food would be banned in the US for sure. <laughs> uh food safety stuff is like you're you're eating grow whatever yeah i get a stomach bug every time i go back to lebanon from here because uh, you know my uh, immunity to uh, to bad foods has gone down here <laughs> yeah yeah the same shit happened to me when i was in spain and then i would come back here it was fucked up but then with time now i'm i'm back to normal here yeah, we and that's something we discussed the other day, or in, in the class, in the uh, religion class, philosophy of religions. Like uh, we talk about uh, being certain of absolutely everything. It's like, are you certain that the, your delivery, uh, your your food is is not going to be poisoning you? And that's something Hume will will be discussing. Discussing. Think about that. It's like, so you have to trust. At one level, there is there has to be trust. In society within uh, a certain society you you trust that if you go somewhere else and you order something you're not going to be poisoned uh, which incidentally uh, talking about Marcus Aurelius here he was uh, he used to uh, take in potions as well what was it called uh, to prevent uh, for for any possible uh, uh, poisoning uh, uh, I don't know how it's pronounced, theriac. I don't know if you guys know it. So it had opium in it, but then they had to reduce it a bit uh, so that uh, he wouldn't uh, end up. Uh... So ointment, a medicinal compound used as an antidote to snake uh, venom or poison that has opium. Uh, yeah, but anyway, because many people, uh, or many people, some uh, some scholars wanted to uh, argue that Marcus Aurelius was depressed, or that he had anxiety and shit like that, or that he had opium addiction. But uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Pierre Ado argues against that. Like you cannot conclude that because we have this obsession with uh, trying to give or analyze someone's psyche based on uh, what they wrote for some reason. Yeah, so, I hate that. Sorry, yeah. uh, uh, Mahmoud, one question. Yeah, sure. Is, what, does, what do Stoics think about drugs? Like, I don't know, coffee, alcohol, opium, whatever. Uh, see, this is the thing. It's, uh, they wouldn't think anything in, in that sense. So this is... Uh, they wouldn't value judge as, as something which is good or bad. It's, it's the idea here would be because it had opium, the, the potion that he had to, to take, but they, they don't have a problem with it. So drinking is not... Now we can talk about... Uh, let me start with this and I'll get to the three. I, a better question would be, or a better uh, example would be wealth. 
Now, when it comes to drugs or, or alcohol, it's, it's a bit, uh, it's trickier. And, uh, but wealth, what do we do with wealth? So should I, should I be a, um, a poor person? Should I ditch my wealth and sit down and in, in the corner like uh, the stoic cow and do absolutely nothing and just move all along and not participate? No, because the idea here is, so addiction in this sense, we can, that's controlling your addiction in a way. And I always use uh, Stan's, uh, Stan, uh, Stan Marsh. Uh, he's uh, Stan, right? He's, uh, no, not Stan, Randy, his father, basically. He once had, had this um, uh, addiction, uh, alcohol, he was drinking beer, etc. Is the problem... Uh, my is the problem alcohol? Can I would I say alcohol is bad? No, I would say my approach to alcohol is 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 bad. Um, yeah, Seneca didn't. This is so. The idea here is I wouldn't renounce pleasures. I wouldn't st live miserably because Stephen said and and many many people assume that this is what the Stoics uh, would argue. It's not. This is not. It's not about. Uh, ditching every other pleasure in life. It's just the idea that um, when you keep reminding yourself that sex is just two bellies rubbing against each other and, and uh, what slime stuff being secreted all across, this is, uh, in a way, this is what Woody Allen would say. It's like sex is just two people exchanging liquids uh, or uh, fluids. Uh, so when you remind yourself that you understand that life is not about only that, you understand that life is not only about uh, sex or wealth or, or uh, wine or uh, your job or whatever that is, you know that it's not about all that. Uh, we're made to belly having together. Uh, yeah. Well, your mom was, uh, was it Epictetus who said that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, talk is what you have to go through to, to get the sex. So it's like, yeah, as you now see, by the way, I have an OnlyFans account. If you guys are interested, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not verified because it's, we don't have OnlyFans, but then I do intellectual striptease and uh, yeah, mental gasms if you're interested in them. Um, ruined mental gasms, like I get you to the point where I discuss Plato and then I change subjects. But anyway, so it's not that wealth is good or bad in a, in itself, right? This is this is where we we ref, we um, we refrain from uttering any kind of value judgment. Is wealth good? No. Is it bad? No. Is being poor good? Is being poor bad? No. It's just a matter of fact. So now, of course, and you don't think in terms of, uh, okay, what should I do with my wealth in terms of should I invest it or not? Of course you invest it. And of course, if someone is cannot find shelter, the good, the virtues are to care for other people. Not that poor being poor in itself is bad. It's just shit happens. So in this case, 
if you are wealthy, you train yourself, you put yourself in a mindset whereby you start imagining that it's just money. It buys you things, yes, but it's just money. You enjoy it, yes, but it's just Bitcoin ones and zeros, right? It's life now is not all about uh, Bitcoin, like the 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 cult that it is now. It's it's as though everything becomes about Bitcoin, or everything becomes about this or that. So it's if you keep reminding yourself that, then you understand that it's not about uh, pursuing wealth or not, or pursuing this or not. It's just about putting yourself in a situation whereby you don't uh, um, you don't become prisoner to the passions, to the to your desires and emotions. So you keep you, yourself in check. Maybe tomorrow I will wake up and I will not have anything. Uh, same with death. Uh, I will, if you really think about it, what is death? Well, you know, you die. That's it. So, and if someone else dies, yes, they're dead. It's just, they're dead. They're not here. Now, saying that seems to us to be, if, if you say that to someone, it's like, it's, it's as though you've committed a sin, right? It's how dare you say something like that. But the Stoics would remind themselves of this because this is part of nature. This is how nature is. It's, it's, it's only, it's, it's nature's way. Um, so wealth, status, all this, it's not that it's good or bad in itself. It's just, what will you do when you become the Roman emperor? And Marcus Aurelius himself was the Roman emperor and he, he kept himself in check or, and even, and Seneca. So no, it's not about enduring pain. No, it's not about sitting down and saying, oh, shit, I'm in pain and I need to accept it. It's, it's, it's the other, it's not even the other way around. It's just accepting the fact. And then does this mean I'm in pain? Therefore, I shouldn't uh, try to alleviate the pain. No, you do alleviate the pain. You, 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 but you do the rational thing, which is, okay, let's see how we can tackle the issue. Let's see how we can resolve the issue, not sit down and think, oh my God, I'm in pain or, or oh my God, I, I'm poor now, I don't know what to do. So, so it's, to go back to Trishank's question, so it's, it's not about the alcohol itself, it's not about the food itself, it's not about uh, the, the drugs itself, it's about how you will approach uh, these substances or, these, uh, or, or your wealth or uh, being in office, how you are going to be dealing with things, etc. Uh, on the daily that he was going to die, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did that. It's like you need to keep your, someone to, to, to tell you things as are. Nowadays, we've become overly sensitive. It's like if you tell someone something, they, <laughs> they, they go, into, oh, my God, I'm offended. Oh, my God. Come on, man. You know? What's that? Uh, somebody will remember it. But didn't uh, when the Roman emperors would be uh, on triumph through the through Rome, there would be somebody behind them reminding them. What is it? Some, somebody can finish that. There would be somebody behind them reminding I'm, them something I'm, to keep them humble. I don't know if anyone knows this about uh, how you will approach your smartphone. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Romans to be honest, but I'm uh, uh, because I'm I'm also preparing for tomorrow's uh, class on tragedy and Nietzsche. It's um, uh, so the Greek tragedians would, 
would oh, ah, after, no, I got it. I got after, it. I after it the, the so, uh, okay, so tell me. Yeah, yeah, no, just to finish that thought. So they would, I mean, it's memento mori. So they would just be reminding them. Uh, so do you have a slave walking behind them in triumph, mm. constantly repeating memento mori, remember death, yeah. that you will die. And so this was like part of the, uh, this was part, yeah, Trishank says it too. So this was part of the, the ceremony when you would, you would be in your, at your highest, you would have someone reminding you the whole time you will die. Yes. And uh, the Greek tragedians as well, because when, when the Athenians would win against the Persians and then you, you uh, it's, it's part of this, this uh, the, the tragedy whereby they would, you would remind yourself, in a way, think in terms of now, you would make a movie whereby you, you get people to think about the fact that, you know what, let's not get carried away with, our, with the fact that we won. Uh, maybe we will, maybe they will come back and then we will lose. So it's not to be, uh, to just take things for granted or start uh, becoming all the more arrogant about uh, things. If nowadays, and, and that's, it got me thinking about things that happen on, on Twitter uh, and in our daily life, not only on Twitter, but it's, it's interesting to see this dynamics or when someone is overly excited about something, uh, that maybe the, in, a, in your country you achieved or uh, you're ecstatic about a certain thing. And then there's always this annoying person who would comment something that would uh, uh, give you a reality check, snap back the reality kind of tweet or comment. No? And then we get angry or annoyed as in, let me enjoy this moment. It's, so the Stoics are about that. It's, it's not that you wouldn't enjoy the moment. It's just that you need to constantly exercise this, uh, keep yourself kind of uh, to understand that you shouldn't be carried away. Uh, like if, if, if you think you won at this or you got that and then you're now you relaxed. And in a, in, in a sense, um, tenure in, in academia, it's you achieve tenure and that's it. You, you don't do absolutely anything anymore. There's no stressors in a way. So no, you, you need to keep yourself, you need to scrutinize. You need to keep exhorting yourself to think about things, uh, to, to also try to, so it's, it's, this is why it's all about the mindset, uh, controlling our emotions. Uh, now, keep in mind that uh, I could have also discussed their logic and their physics and what they thought about nature, but I'm more interested in that part where we try to cap or to try to control our uh, desires. And I now I'll go back to this, the triple rule that Marcus Aurelius repeated or formulated to himself and constantly uh, repeated. Uh, and what, as we said, what is enough for you? Your present value judgment, so long as it is objective. Value judgment, as I said, judging things that we, uh, judging our actions, ourselves, not things that we cannot control. This is what they meant by objective. Uh, the action you are accomplishing at the present moment, so long as it is done for the benefit of the human community. So what we need to do is to go back to what Tan said, it's not about me, it's about controlling my emotions. And then because we need to understand that we live in a community. So we have to ultimately do whatever is beneficial for the community. Your present 
inner disposition as long as it rejoices in every event brought about by causes outside yourself. Um, this might be taking it too far, but then the idea of, you know, trying to dispose yourself such that you don't really, you aren't really affected by what happens outside of yourself. Uh, the book I'm reading from, Philosophy as a Way of Life. So, but these are the principles that uh, Marcus Aurelius uh, formulates uh, for himself. And uh, let me tell you the exact uh, citation. Um, so uh, he, he got them from the meditations, pages 9, 36, uh, and 7, and 54. So he's, he's kind of uh, synthesizing things. And I will be ending with this. I need to just go over a few uh, other things. Uh, oh, we still have six minutes, so we're good. A rational nature is proceeding as it should if it fulfills the following conditions. So these are how to, how to live a rational kind of life for the Stoics. If uh, in its uh, representations, it does not give its assent either to what is false or to what is unclear. This is one. So if something is unclear or something is false, don't uh, assent to it. So if it's unclear, don't take stance. Don't, don't, masks, is it, what should we do with masks? What should we do with whatever? Uh, so precautionary principle in a sense. Let's, let's not pronounce anything or assent to anything. We need to take, uh, we need to wait. If it guides its inclinations only towards uh, those actions which serve the human community. So that's number two. You're, you need to be rational such that you work for the community. So it's not about fulfilling my dreams and about I have, I want to, to become the CEO of. Yes, you can become the CEO of, but then you have to understand that what you need to be caring about the community. It's not only about, you know, I, I became the CEO and then that's it. If it has desire or aversion only for things that depend on us while joyfully greeting everything allotted to it by universal nature. So we go back to this, accepting like the only thing that we um, should have desire for or aversion from is the things that we can control, our ethics, our values. And the things outside, well, we cannot. And as such, there are a few... Uh, <laughs> who did the stoic cow or let's keep it at uh... <clears throat> if this I becomes mean, I, I didn't because I only got stoic cow one so Ooh. but I put a Hindu cow in the in the biography so whoever runs stoic cow please man this is going remember to be it's a Hindu cow an interesting class so the the last thing uh, wipe out your representations check your inclinations extinguish your desire, keep your directing principle under your control. On what then should we exert our efforts? How should we live? The where should we, you know, that to go back to what uh, Asad said when it comes to what should we do in a place like Lebanon, correct intentions, actions carried out in the service of the community so he's repeating them because these are the important ones speech which should never be used to deceive 
an inner disposition which joyfully greets each event like something necessary and familiar since it flows from so grand a principle and so great a source. So doing the rational appearances in this case to try to wipe out appearances, it's not in, in terms of um, therefore reality doesn't exist. It just means that we need to really, so sex appears to us in a certain way and I'm sticking to sex because it's, it's, uh, it's interest. I, the, the, the quote is, is fascinating. It's like, ultimately you need to see things for what they are. And once you see things for what they are, you will be able to handle it or deal with it differently instead of just sugarcoating things or, and that's something by the way, Nassim says, and I tweeted it, uh, like, I think it's, it's important to, to to have that when it comes to ethics, uh, I'm not sure I will be able to, or I did. Oh no, I tweeted it. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me see where the, uh, there it is. Uh, like for example, nowadays, let me share it. It's like calling things other than what they really are, right? Uh, uh, or, or when you are in, in a business or modern day slavery, for example, it's like, no, we, we are not slaves, etc. But then you've, you've signed a contract whereby you're working this amount for this amount, etc. right? Calling things by their names so, or, you know what, this is beneficial because we do this and do that. Ultimately, tell me what it is. It's like serious, honest kind of marketing in a way. Right? without trying to sugarcoat things or, oh my God, because this is the best experience that you will ever have. It will allow you to experience and think about this and that and blah, 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 blah. No? So ultimately we just need to be honest. Uh, yeah, I will, I will. About, uh, about, our, about things in life, we need to call things by their names. And uh, without beating around the bush, without, uh, you know, we need, think about if you ever wrote uh, uh, proposals for grants or things like that, and to try to convince someone that this is good for whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, so the Epicurean take to all this I mean, I can read to you if you want uh, quotes from Marcus Aurelius, but uh, to be honest, it's, uh, it's like they're, they're self-explanatory, his concept about God, uh, what he thinks about uh, gods, etc. I think it would be, it, it was, it, it's more interesting to just understand where they're coming from to try to clear, uh, clarify these um, uh, misconceptions that we usually have. So, and every time someone tells me that the Epicureans endure pain or, or just stoic cow in a way, no, Marcus Aurelius was, was, a, was an emperor. He's the Roman emperor and he's a stoic who was, as I said, also influenced by Epictetus, but then he developed some of Epictetus uh, views. So it's interesting to see it happening uh, in action. I have highlighted a few things, but his, because they all revolve around the same topic. So you're going to die. If other people wronged you, it's not because they uh, 
they uh, wish you ill, it's just because they don't know any better, etc., etc. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Buddhism and uh, Stoicism, like in general, ancient Eastern philosophies and ancient Greek philosophy are in a way more or less have more things in common that we that we uh, we might like or some might like to admit. And let me just uh, finish today's uh, class with this with this tweet uh, that I shared a few. Is it this one? Yes, let me. And we'll end with this. So these are these Greek concepts. Ultimately, why do we need to do the things that we need, that we do? For the Greeks, uh, apatheia, freedom from passion, arete, virtue, excellence, eudaimonia, contentment and ataraxia, tranquility. So they focused a lot on, on these uh, concepts. Uh, with different emphasis uh, and aponia, absence of pain, not because you can actually achieve absence of pain, it's just absence of emotional pain, because the Epicureans are going to be discussing that. Uh, Aponia and apatheia and indifference to things. So these, these concepts are, are, are interesting to, to keep in mind. The Epicureans, unlike the Stoics, will have a different approach. They don't want to participate in society. They couldn't care less. Uh, they go, as I said, rent a place at the outskirts. Uh, rent, buy, uh, and that's it. So we'll, we'll see what kind of things they focus on and how they achieve uh, aponia, if at all. And uh, yeah, so any questions, I'll let me uh, stop.